my name is Paige, and I have type O positive blood. And my name is Emily, and I think I have type A positive blood. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's up, Paige? How's it going today? Loved hearing about your blood type. Listeners, put your <laughs> blood type in the comments. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or just all of our commenters can be like, B, L, L positive. <laughs> um, my day was good. I did a lot of homework. I finally cracked open one of my textbooks and I was like, ah, oh, the introductory chapter is 48 pages. I can't wait to read the fully length chapters. Have you seen that meme of that girl lying on the floor and then it's her body like in ghost form coming up out of her? Yes. That was me when you just said 48 pages. I I saw it and I was like, well, maybe it's one of those situations where like the last four pages were references or like review questions. Like it's not like actually 48 pages of reading. No. The actual chapter was like 50 pages, and then 48 is the actual amount of reading pages. Maybe I just say this because I hate science, but I'm like, why do science textbooks, why are their chapters so long? Like, can you just get to the point? At least in English, if it's a long chapter, there's like plot happening. Yeah, there's, I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it's for the HPR department. It's like not, a science class it's more like a sociology class so it was a lot of like theory introduction which I gotta say I do not miss from college did not miss that one bit I always really liked the papers that you know had like discoveries of bones and like this is how what this discovery means for us and like this and that but like theories and crazy ideas that like it might be true it might not be true I just uh, cultural anthropology is just so hard for me to understand and be interested in and like the theories and all of the craziness and the sociological theories I'm just exhausted dude I can't even imagine good for you for pushing through it I'm I feel worried for the rest of my reading for the rest of the semester. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Just think of it as you're getting smarter than Edward Cullen, which is not that hard to do, but still. Mm-hmm. He probably don't know it. He probably don't know it. Well, how was your day? Did you do anything? Uh, did you do anything fun? Well, at the moment I have to bounce because I hear my chai tea boiling in the next room and I'm scared. So. <laughs> oh, it's boiling. It's not like a teapot. Uh, both. <laughs> okay. The fact that I was literally just in my kitchen while we're recording a podcast is so obnoxious. You know what? I'm leaving it all in. What if it. we became like um like a Zen podcast? Like I had my chai tea and I was like, now close your eyes. <laughs> and then I do it. I don't say anything. I just do it. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, think of an intention. I've been doing a lot of yoga lately. To answer your question, uh, uh my day was fine. <laughs> I don't feel like getting into it. But I have been doing a lot of yoga lately. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. If I did, sorry to be that binge talking about it again. But it's been fun. It's been good. I feel like it positively affects my life. So I would recommend it. 
My sister's also doing yoga right now. Um, she, I think she's been enjoying it, I guess. Yeah. I feel like me and Catherine would be pals if we knew each other. <laughs> I, if you wanted to reach out to her, she's a, she's been going through like a big, like men are trash phase. So she might have some stories for you. I've been going through that phase since approximately 2011. Yeah, I, I, I can't lie to you. I As soon as I said the word phase, I was like, it's more like she's entering a state of being. <laughs> this is what it's like growing up. Yep. And if we have listeners out there who identify as men, you're included in that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, I'm sure even the men out there are sick of men. True. I would be. I'm sick of myself, so I can only imagine what it would be like to be a man. Yeah. So speaking of being sick of men, this week we read chapter six of Midnight Sun. Wow, I'm getting better at the segues. That one, that one was really, really good. I'll try and set you up every week so it can be like... Whew. Okay, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Also, I want to say real quick, I just want everyone to understand <laughs> that... The thing, the shit Paige says at the end of our episodes, she just says it, like, she literally told me a few weeks ago that she's like, I just try to say something so ridiculous that you have to cut it out. So I feel like we, because I always have a serious response to it, I am partially taking it seriously so that we can just end the episode and move on. But also she's kidding, people. But, okay, look, if if you're inspired by my words, I'm going to take... I'm going to take res- responsibility for that. Like that was me giving you some some words of of wisdom. So I mean if people are enjoying it, I'll keep it up, but if you're sick of it, I'll stop. <laughs> no, keep doing it. I'm not sick of it. I was talking to the um the listeners. If the listeners are sick of it, then I'll stop. Also what you should know is Paige doesn't plan them out beforehand. You can literally see the wheels turning in her brain as I'm like, got anything else? And I always say it like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I'm i going to try it. I'm going to do a good one this week. Don't think about it too much. I'm clearing my brain completely. Empty your mind. Empty my mind? Empty your mind. <laughs> Empty my mind. Humana, humana, humana. Table for humana. Okay, we need to start talking about the actual class. We're only like three minutes in. Chill. Get off my dick. Also, if you guys hear me sipping this, this fucking chai tea. Sorry, not sorry. I have a headache. I need some caffeine. You know how it be. Okay. Well, so chapter six, blood type. What did you think of this chapter, Paige? Honestly, this chapter didn't really have anything too surprising in it. I felt like Edward kind of did exactly what I was anticipating that he was going to do. There wasn't anything that really shocked me too bad in this one. I would say pretty good chapter. You know, pretty pretty on point with what I was expecting. Did you enjoy it? Yes. I'm putting in a cricket noise over that fucking pause you just had. <laughs> I I feel I feel like neutral maybe. Like it didn't really have like, 
oh, that was an awesome chapter feeling, but I didn't feel bad about it either. So I think it helped carry the story along. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Shall we jump in? Splish splash. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So the last chapter ended with Edward had just asked if she wanted to go to Seattle with him. And she said yes. And then he fucking yeeted himself out of there. So this chapter begins with him watching her. Why do I keep saying her? Watching Bella through everyone else's eyes. I love it. He says that he loves to watch her through Angela's eyes because she's so nice. Just think of all those friends who have cared so much about you and like have nothing but good things to say. Imagine Edward Cullen seeing you through their eyes. How charming and lovely that would be. That would be. My note for this was, yes, ma'am, Angela. <laughs> she's she's the real winner in this book. And in she my is. heart. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, so Edward kind of realizes by observing other people's thoughts and observations of Bella that she's clumsy, which is hilarious that it's taken him this long to realize that. And he laughs out loud when he realizes it, and he's walking to class and literally two people are like what the fuck like can you imagine you go to school with an edward cullen type he never talks to anyone he's like super hot but he literally never talks to anyone. he looks mad all the time like he just wants to kill you and then you see him walking down the hall laughing to himself i would be fucking terrified i i'm living in this new headcanon where Edward thinks that he can read everyone's minds, but really he can't. And he thinks that everyone is thinking so positively about him, but really everyone is like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, <laughs> he thinks that he's an Adonis in this school and everyone is just super confused. I literally almost just had a spit take when you said that on my brand new fucking computer. So I'm glad that I held it in. <laughs> He's just making up the thoughts that he thinks he hears. He I, thinks we thought, we knew he thought he thinks. Second Spongebob reference in the episode. Keep up, people. Try to keep up. Amen. <laughs> okay, so um, they get to lunch, and Edward decides to sit by himself, as we already know, um, so that he can sit with Bella and talk to her. And... Edward kind of goes over his whole family's reactions to this situation in his head. He makes an interesting comment here about Rosalie. He says, page 117, Rosalie and I had never had an easy relationship. I had offended her the very first time she'd heard me speak, and it was downhill from that point on. Got any, got any theories on that, on what he might have done to offend her the first time they ever met? He consistently says that she's very, um, what's the word? What's the word for obsessed with your looks? Shallow. Shallow, yeah. Um, he implies that she's always caring what other people, or how she's viewed in front of other people, her appearance. Um, it makes me think that maybe he made some comment about the way that she looks. She didn't like it. And then it planted this seed in Edward's head that, well, all she cares about is what she looks like. Yeah, I like that theory. I do. I don't even know when you find out exactly what happened. One of these books. One of the books in the series. <laughs> like 17 of them. For real. 
Um, so he, yeah, like I said, he goes over everyone else's reactions. I like that Jasper is like kind of trying to smile about it, even though he thinks this is fucking lunacy. Emmett thinks it's fucking lunacy. And Alice is just pumped because she thinks that she can be friends with Bella, even though Edward is still keeping her at arm's length. So Bella comes in with Jessica, as we know, she thinks that he is not there. So she gets all sad. Of course, he can't fucking comprehend the fact that that's why she's sad like <laughs> that is really sad I'm pretty sure that I talked about this on the in the twilight version of this chapter that when you go into class or you go somewhere and you don't see your crush it is kind of disappointing it's like damn it this class period is going to be wasted because the one person I was excited to see here is not here and then he just suddenly appears how amazing would that feel it would. And also the worst thing ever, and I'm not saying Bella does this because we actually don't know what she's wearing or whatever, but it's the worst when you, like, waste a good outfit on people that you don't want to waste a good outfit on. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you post something on your Snapchat story or Instagram story, and it's literally for one singular person to see, and they don't see it. Yep. I did that, uh couple weeks ago, I posted a video on my story for one person to see, and that video was seen by more people than any other thing I've ever posted on my story. Like over 120 people viewed it. And usually I get like 60 or 70, mm -hmm. like depending on what it is. But I had got like double and the one person I wanted to see it did not view it. I was just like, okay, well, that was a bummer. That is a bummer. You know what, kids, we may be, we may be older, but we still know what, what you're doing, what you're getting down with. We can still hang with the kids. We still know how disappointment feels. It's a universal feeling, kiddos. In fact, you're just going to feel more and more of it every day. <laughs> Stay in school. I'm currently in school, and my disappointment has never been higher. Fair. <laughs> so, um, Edward motions Bella to come over. As we know, Jessica's very annoyed and yeah we just like it's weird because i'm pretty sure the chapter that was this in twilight was just this exact same conversation also no other content which there is more content in this chapter after the conversation but it's just cool to see it on the back end you know the other side yeah so basically the whole time edward is just like what i wrote a specific note for this oh yeah i said his constant anxiety plus relief like just the alternating of that is dizzying. Like, I feel like I'm like, I can't keep up. Like he's like so nervous that she's gonna like figure out that he's dangerous and run away. And then he's so relieved that she just doesn't care. And then it just happens over and over and over again, you know? Oh yeah, it's it's very, very visible and audible. And seeing it from this perspective, it's really eye-opening because when you're seeing it from Bella's perspective, he's so he's basically cool as a cucumber. He is not really portraying any sort of emotion or anything like that so just seeing how much turmoil he is in right now while also still keeping a straight face ish very interesting it is it's funny too it's like actually humorous to me because to Bella he seems so mysterious and to himself he's like oh my god keep it light keep it light oh my god it's very true and also throughout Twilight you get the impression that 
vampires are so agile and strong and cunning and so good at everything, basically. But now we're seeing, but they can be tripped up. There can be things that can make them extremely flustered and not be as impressive as you think they are. Agreed. Also, I could not, like, this applies to so many things in this book series, but I feel like this is the first one where it's come up for me. I could not have this conversation knowing my family's listening to the whole thing. Like, I'd be so self-conscious. I'd be like, Bella, can we, like, can we, like, drive away, like, 15 miles or so? Would that be cool? Yeah, it would be super, super bizarre. Because you know, like, Rosalie's judging him. Alice is like, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. You know? So it's just like, it's like, get off my back, damn. Yeah, I'm picturing having a very serious conversation or any kind of conversation with my crush and five of my closest friends or relatives are standing right there listening to the whole thing. I'm not going to say the things that I actually want to say. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be my real self. I feel like I'm going to be nervous and put on some sort of fake show for this person. So yeah, very, very nerve wracking and bizarre. Yep. So we already know the gist of this conversation. Edward reminds her that he's tired of staying away from her and that he's not, he's going to give up on being good. And then he kind of tells Bella, like, if you're smart, you'll avoid me, which Paige and I have made clear our opinions on that whole notion already, so we won't rehash it. But Bella basically says, okay, so... As long as I'm being not smart, we'll be friends. Edward kind of balks at the word friends, but I'm like, hey, you're not dating. Chill. Like, she doesn't even know at this point that he has a crush on her. So it's like, chill. I think that, I think it's just because even being friends is going against all of these instincts that he's been trying to keep up with like I can't even talk to her I can't even look at her I can't have any form of contact because it's not like even admitting that they're even friends is breaching some sort of line that he wasn't wanting to breach initially yeah that's a good point um and then there's this moment where Bella is kind of quiet for a second and Edward asks her what She's thinking, and she says, I'm trying to figure out what you are. So then he coerces her into telling her some theories, or telling him some theories. But before that, they have the whole speech by Bella that me and Paige were impressed and impressed by and proud of in Twilight when she talks about double standards and how it's not fair that he holds her to always saying all the, answering all these questions and being honest when he doesn't do the same for her. Which, still proud of her, hasn't changed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know throughout there's a few comments here and there both internally by Edward and externally in their conversation about Mike and he's super happy about how she doesn't seem to care about him and yeah so then they get to the theory and then Edward is like internally just shook that she thinks he's a superhero and that's when he makes the whole what if I'm the bad guy thing and then he's shocked when when Bella is like no you're dangerous but you're you're not necessarily bad and this is page 124 
Of course I was bad. Wasn't I rejoicing now, finding she thought better of me than I deserved? If I were a good person, I would have stayed away from her. Which is a good point. Yeah. Also, I skipped over this note on page 120. Um, when he says how melodramatic, I'm like, yes! Literally how melodramatic, and you're still doing it. He's becoming self-aware. <laughs> and it is a painful process. <laughs> I, just, I, I will just shake my head. <clears throat> um, also, I wanted to ask you, yeah, on page 122, um, kind of towards the middle bottom, can you do me a favor, she asks, suddenly meeting my gaze again. And of course, she ends up just asking him to warn her if he's going to end up ignoring her again. But here, he thinks to himself, what would she want from me? Would she ask for the truth that I wasn't allowed to tell her, the truth I didn't want her to ever, ever know? So my question for you is, if you're Edward, LOL, pick, put yourself in his shoes, do you want Bella to find out what you are? Or are you like desperately against that idea? If I'm Edward, I think that Edward almost, he's hes telling himself that he doesn't. But he does. I he He's telling himself, oh yeah, I'm making the right choice and not wanting this. But everything he's saying and being happy that she's reciprocating conversation and wanting to show interest in him is showing that he he does want her to be drawn to him. He he wants her to want him, basically. If I was Edward, I would want her to not find out at all. But that's me being Edward. If, if I'm trying to pick apart the actual character Edward, um, what I think that he's up to, I say the first thing. But if I'm just kicking that Edward out and then I'm jumping into the book and I'm the new Edward... I'm hoping that Bella doesn't find out at all. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about what Edward actually wants, because I think it's one thing to want him, like Bella, to be drawn to him, and another thing for him to want Bella to know the truth. I feel like he just has not thought it through, like, be deliberately, because he doesn't want to, of like, okay, so if she does end up liking me back, like, am I just going to never tell her that I'm a supernatural creature? Like, I don't think he thinks that far ahead. To me, I think you're right. But the brain that I'm picturing Edward has, I'm almost picturing him just completely circumventing that entire conversation. And he just wants it to be a world where everything's fine. Like, she knows and everything is cool. Like, that's what he's picturing when he said, like, he's excited that he's attracted to her because he's attracted to this idea that, like, yeah, everything's gonna be cool. Like, yeah, you know, she's gonna be fine with it. Like, it's gonna be okay. Like, we don't even, she's, she's just cool with it, you know? Like, I, like you said, I, he hasn't thought these things through. He hasn't considered it. I think that he definitely hasn't, and he's just, like, but maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. It's confusing, though, because there's that part of him, but there's also the part that's like, find out and run. <laughs> it's like, try it. It's hard to keep up with him. He is literally a yo-yo, as you said, two episodes ago? One episode ago? Something like that. They're all one episode in my brain now. Yeah. We've been talking for three months straight. <sighs> so anyways, um, at this point, Bella is like, oh, we're going to be late to class. And that's when Edward's like, yeah, I'm not going. 
and he actually really hopes that Bella will ditch with him, but she doesn't. She obviously goes to class. Then he goes to his car to listen to the fucking classical music that Paige talked about last episode. And he actually starts writing music while he's in the car, which is interesting to hear about. Like, I obviously have no musical talent, so I've never, like, thought about the writing process. It's interesting. Yeah, I I can't even imagine having a brain that understands music notes. Like, I took guitar lessons in... I want to say sixth grade or seventh grade for like a year or two. And my teacher, he would, I would burn CDs of songs that I liked and we would learn them at guitar class or whatever. And he would just listen to the song and be like, Oh, we got to put the capo on this fret. And then you're going to, you're like, he could just, he knew exactly how to recreate the sounds that of the guitar coming from the song and my brain just is not built that way I just do, don't have a brain that does music it is it's like a whole different language I can't even comprehend it I was literally just about to say those two words that you just said in that sentence I've never heard them in my life so I definitely don't have a brain for it um and like Danny is also also one of those people just like oh yeah you just got to do this and this and this and oh I'm listening to it oh we got to tune it this certain way and do this specific thing I'm I just I I'll never have that brain my brain never developed those techniques me neither (laughs) we're very impressed by you the people that do have that brain so as Edward is writing this music he realizes like he kind of comes to and realizes um that Mike has all these panic thoughts and he's so fucking dramatic I nearly took the door off the car Jesus Christ I I can't think of anything that's happened to me in the past five years that I would I would have a reaction like that I'm thinking I really am yeah I don't know I just feel like that's not how I deal with my problems I just basically have a panic attack or I take a nap or both. Sometimes I take anxiety naps because then when I wake up, I feel better. <laughs> there you go. I feel like that's my brain's way of just being like, I can't. I am going into overdrive. Power Control, alt, delete, power off. Yeah, it w- I was just about to say, it's your body restarting your system. <laughs> it's basically like putting my brain in rice. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Have you ever done that with your phone? Mm-mm. Girl, consider yourself lucky. It's fucking terrible. Danny said that does not work and you should not do that. Oh, it worked for me. <laughs> it just sucks because you're like getting texts and your phone's sitting in the rice and you can't touch it, you know? Damn. I have dropped two of my phones in the toilet. How'd you manage that? The first one, it was it was a pocket thing both times. The first one I was like, God, when did I get a phone? I was like 14 when I got a phone. I think I was like 15 or 16 and it was in my hoodie pocket when I went to the bathroom and I forgot it was in there. So I opened it and it fell out into there. Second time was in college. I was a sophomore and it was in my back pocket. Same thing. Pulled my pants down, went right in. Luckily that one was in, well, both of them were in my own personal bathroom. Well, my college one I shared with just my roommate, but Neither time was there anything in the toilet, so that's good. That is that is the best outcome of that situation. It is, and both of them, 
still continued to mostly work afterwards, which was nice. Mostly work? Yeah, they had some issues. My one that I did in college was an iPhone. Oh, God. And it did this horrible thing where um, I dropped it in the toilet literally right before class. Luckily, the class was in the same building that I lived in. So I just had to like walk down the stairs, but I thought it was going to be chill. I thought I was like, I'll deal with this after class. So I turned it off and put it in my backpack. In this class, I was so lucky to get into it. I was a sophomore and everyone else was seniors. I was the by far the youngest person in there. I think there was maybe like one junior. And so we're sitting there, the teacher's lecturing. My phone decides to have, what what should we call it? An episode. Okay. <laughs> So it keeps turning on and it's, and going, sorry, I didn't get that. And I'm like, the first time I did it, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I just turned it off again. And it's open again, a second time. And I'm like, finally, the teacher's like looking at me and everyone in the class is looking at me. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry, my phone is acting up. <laughs> so I ended up just like turning the sound all the way down and like hoping for the best. And nothing else happened that class. And then I put it in some rice later and it was fine. <laughs> I should have just put it in rice in my room and walked away. That story made me snort. It was so funny. <laughs> Embarrassing. God, I was always doing dumbass shit like that. Oh, but look, you live and you learn. Yep. Did I learn? I feel like I did. Yeah, I, I try not to even bring my phone in the bathroom anymore. Even my own bathroom in my house, I live by myself. I put it in the closet outside the bathroom, like on the little shelf, because I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. What do you do in the bathroom then? What do you mean? Like, do you read? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I read like my shampoo bottles or usually like before I go in, I turn on music or a podcast and put it in the closet so I can still hear it. I I guess I've always been, like, even when I was in, like, first or second grade, I've always been a bathroom reader, have, like, a book or something, not like a, not like a chapter book, just like a little thing that, like, a comic book or something like that. Oh, I've done chapter books before. Mm-hmm. I love when people just unabashedly have magazines next to their toilet, like, when you go to, like, your rich aunt's house or whatever, and there's fucking magazines next to the toilet, and you're like, all right, we vibe. Me and Aunt Pat, we're on the same level. Yeah, I, whenever I go home, my, like, our downstairs bathroom has a basket with, like, five different comic books and, like, a bunch of my dad's magazines. Maybe that's where I got it from. I think my dad is a bathroom reader, too. So it just kind of, just kind of stuck. Love that. How do we get on the subject? <laughs> you dropped your phone. Oh, you gotta put your brain in rice. That's what you well, said. How um, it was your taking an anxiety nap. Um, uh, <laughs> wow, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so Edward goes fucking sprinting over there. He forces himself to go at human speed. Um, and he's like freaking out that she's dead. Like literally thinks she's dead. I'm like, can you not hear her heartbeat? Question mark? Question mark? And her intake of breath? He was blinded by um, the concentration of having to walk at a human speed while still going fast enough to get there, which 
by the way, is the funniest thing I've ever read in my entire life and then pictured in my head. Edward Cullen fast walking through the courtyard with like a look of murder on his face. Oh, Bella, I have to save her. And then he's walking. That is so funny. That is funny. I hadn't pictured it till you said it, but now I'm picturing it. And in my mental vision, he's in shape ups. Oh my god. I love that. <laughs> Athletics. Athletics? Is that what you said? Yeah. Isn't that like a leggings brand? Yeah. <laughs> god. Okay. <laughs> so he gets over there and he realizes what's happening um, because Bella says, he says, Bella, can you hear me? And she says, no, go away. Um, and he just totally dismisses Mike here. He's like, mm, I don't care about this child. And like, just takes off with Bella, even though Mike's like, but I was supposed to, I was supposed to. And he's like, goodbye, bitch. I feel a little bad for Mike in this scene because as someone with medical history or like medical things to deal with at school, a lot of times the teacher, if I had to go to the nurse, would send someone with me. So imagine you're that person who's like, teacher told me to take her to the nurse like I feel like I shouldn't leave her with you who are you and it's like the town's resident creep who laughs to himself in the hallway like come on mm -hmm. who you think looks at you and wants to murder you sometimes because he does yep <laughs> god so Edward carries her to the office as we know and he thinks it's hilarious that she faints at the sight of any blood and, yeah, we just have this whole episode in the nurse's office. Um, Edward tells her that she scared him and that he thought that Mike was, like, dragging her dead body off to bury it in the woods. And he's actually kind of serious. <laughs> um, and then he tells Bella that he was in his car listening to a CD. She obviously has the reaction of, like, the fuck and he is having a reaction of the fuck to her reaction of the fuck <laughs> i'm kind of i'm i'm with bella the fuck you know like if just like a random person was just chilling in their car like if you're gonna ditch school why not just leave yeah i feel like we talked about this in twilight but then we had the point of like oh he has to come back to pick up his siblings yeah but, I mean, I, I could see him doing that. Yeah, same. If it were me in that in that position, knowing I had to drive my siblings home still, I probably would just recline the front seat and just yonk out. I know he can't sleep, but... Maybe scroll through Twitter, which is basically the same thing as sleeping. <laughs> yeah, as, as someone who is listening to Debussy in his car, I don't know if Edward is a huge Twitter fan. Also, I don't know if that's how you pronounce that composer's name. I think it is. <laughs> Debussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God. I feel like Edward's Twitter would be so fucking pretentious. Jesus Christ. I probably haven't blocked. I have like 300 people blocked on Twitter that I don't even know and don't even know me just because they tweeted one thing that offended me one time and I was like, block! <laughs> Look, first impressions are killer. And sure, you can make a first impression years later. It's still possible in Emily's book. 
Actually, they can't make a first impression because they're literally blocked. Well, well, I mean, like, why did you block them? That's your first impression of them. Oh, yeah, fair. Um, it's my belief that we all have the right to cultivate our social media experiences. And if they're not living up to your expectations, start blocking people left and right. It will be so freeing. Yeah, make it fun. I had a point. What was my point? Oh, so um, before I got the job that I currently have, I lived in Arkansas for nine months um, working a job there. And when I went out for the interview, I my interview was like in the morning. Obviously, I had to fly from Colorado. And my flight back was like at night. So I had nothing to do in airports. Okay, so without getting too long-winded, um, I have spent a lot of time in the Little Rock Airport prior to having this interview. I got stranded there for two days a couple years before that. Um, so I was like not trying to be in that fucking airport longer than I needed to be. So I was like, what should I do? What should I do? And I had a rental car that was literally a minivan. It was like a Chrysler minivan. <laughs> and I was like, all right, bet. So I found a mall in Little Rock, Arkansas. I parked in the parking lot. I laid down in the spacious back seat of this minivan in the mall parking lot in broad daylight, and I took a two-hour nap. <laughs> very, very on brand. It's so on brand, but looking back on it, I'm like, that was kind of dangerous. That was for sure super dangerous. <laughs> I was so tired. <laughs> I bet anyway. that nap really helped, though. It did. It did. I felt better afterwards. Mm-hmm. I just, when I die, I hope I get to find out if anyone walked by and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, saw me in there. That, similarly, one time I, I mean, I was, I was exhausted because I stayed up super late and then had to go to the museum the next day. Um, but I got like three hours of sleep and it was... I think it was like noon at this point and I had I was exhausted I went and I bought a coffee and I was like I'm gonna sit down during my hour lunch in the cafeteria area of the museum it's open to the public this area so like anyone was there and I put my headphones in I opened my phone and then I woke up like three hours later I have no memory of like putting my head down like nothing when I woke up my head was on the table one of my earphones was out and just on the ground the other was still in my ear and my coffee I had taken like five sips of it and that was it I had just straight up fallen asleep at this cafeteria table no one woke me up first of all no one said anything and it was like an hour and a half into my shift so I just went home (laughs) you didn't even like talk to your supervisor or anything I was like, how do I explain that? Like, that's (laughs) so embarrassing. So I just said, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I emailed you guys this morning that I had a doctor's appointment, but I guess it didn't send. Like, I feel so bad. And they were like, oh, that's okay. Like, just text us next time. But it was, yeah, really, really embarrassing. (laughs) Dead that you were like, I emailed you. Duh. (laughs) That's hilarious. But similarly, I'm like, I wonder who walked by me, like, th- during that time and saw me asleep. Ron has 
has fallen asleep in that museum as well, actually. That makes me really happy, actually. Ron is professional at falling asleep in lots of places. We were, like, going to this exhibit that he didn't want to see, and he was like, all right, and he sat down on the floor against this pillar and just went to sleep. I love that that's not even a place to sit. Nope. He doesn't need it. (laughs) I also love that the people who run the museum were like, it's fine. They probably thought you needed it, and you did. Yeah, I'm like, I, at the time, I wasn't a student, but I looked like a student. It could have been justified in someone's mind. Hey, she's been working hard. She needs a nap. Really, Paige stayed up really late. It was a little hungover. Is also tired and hungry. And yeah. Whenever I see anyone, like, sleeping in a public place, I'm like, that's their business. You know? I don't care. Yeah. If, if someone is sleeping in a public place, they need it. Yep. Agreed. So Twilight. <laughs> Um, I mean, we're almost to the end of this conversation and we already know what happens, but Bella tells Edward that she can smell blood and he has this moment where, this is on page 129, I stared at her in blank surprise. People can't smell blood. Was she really even human? She looked human. She felt soft as a human. She smelled human. Well, better actually. She acted human, sort of, but she didn't think like a human or respond like one. What other option was there though? I'm so dead that he's like, is there something I don't know about? Like maybe maybe another supernatural creature that I that I have not yet been made aware of. <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of on Edward's side for this. I was like, what is Bella? I don't know either. Because I had a I this part weirded me out when we read it in Twilight so much that I made a note of it. And then reading it again in Midnight Sun, I'm just like, what? I I don't know any human who can smell blood. That's kind of bazoing zoing. It is. It's pretty weird. So then they have this little confrontation with Mike. Um, and I love that he thinks, and Colin's not invited. He's talking about the beach trip. Yeah. Um, and then this is where he has the thought that Paige mentioned earlier, where he says, sometimes when he stares at me, I'd swear he he's thinking about killing me. Freak. Um, and Edward thinks to himself, Mike wasn't entirely unperceptive. So Edward gets Bella out of her last class with some more gross flattery of the poor receptionist. And yeah, they end up in the parking lot. It's so interesting reading this um, from Edward's perspective, because I remember we were so fucking offended that he like dragged her to his car. I'm still kind of offended, but it's crazy that he like is trying to like flirt with her and spend time with her. But his outward excuse is like, I'm not letting you drive in your condition, but like internally he's like, am I bad at flirting? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> it, it just keeps, it goes hand in hand with like how cool he, he appears to Bella when it's not actually happening. When it's, when it's quite the opposite of cool, it's more spastic than you could even imagine. Yep. And also, I wanted to make a quick note of when they walk outside and Bella puts her face up in the rain. Here's my exact note. I will not elaborate. I will not be taking any further questions. Do me a quick favor, Stephanie Meyer, and shut the fuck up about makeup, okay? You do not get to be like, Bella has skin that people spend millions of dollars. Shut the fuck up. 
And he says, normal human girls wouldn't raise their faces to the drizzle that way. Normal human girls usually wear makeup, even here in this wet place. Like, he's, like, condescending on people for wearing fucking makeup. Bella's not like the other girls, Emily. So fucking irritating. <laughs> Disgusted. Have you seen the the vine that I'm referencing every time I say the, the word disgusted that way? I, I'm counting on you because you've seen every vine. Okay. One, I just want to say that that's my mom's favorite video on the internet. <laughs> and two, let me just, let me see if it's still in my safari. Oh my God, you have it pulled up? I talked about this yesterday at work you can see it as my second tab (laughs) i'm so dead do we have the same brain can you play it for the listeners hold it right up to the speaker Okay, I hate to be the one to break the fun moment that we're having, but that's not the vine I'm referencing. (laughs) I bet you've seen this one too. Let me find it. I'm sure I have. I just, whenever I hear the word disgusting, that's, that video is the one that I think of. Okay. Here's the one I was talking about. Bitch, gonna step on my fucking toe, bitch, with them fucking cowgirl fucking boots, bitch, disgusting. It's disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what? What was I? Where was I? What was I? Where was I going with that? Um, just that the fact that Bella doesn't wear makeup, so that makes her, like, exponentially more beautiful than anyone else who's ever existed. Yeah, and it's like, um, not to be that binge, but I played sports, so yeah, I've turned my face into the rain while wearing makeup a couple times or two. They make waterproof shit for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could put your face in a, I've seen people put their face in a whole bowl of water and that shit come off, or that shit don't come off. Grow up, Stephanie. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get into the car, even though Bella's mad about it, as she should be. Um, and this is where Edward has a little moment where he's like, uh, I'm doing this all wrong. Like, I don't know how to be human or modern or romantic at all. And then he goes into kind of this, he says it lasts less than a second, but he thinks about the pairings in his family. So let's talk about that for a minute. So he thinks about Rosalie and Emmett and how they're the cliche. Um, He says, in the first second Rosalie saw Emmett, she'd been drawn to the innocence and honesty that had evaded her in life, and she wanted him. In the first second that Emmett saw Rosalie, he saw a goddess whom he had worshipped without cease ever since. Goals! Just saying. There had never been an awkward first conversation full of doubt. Um, Any thoughts on that before we move on? I've had this conversation with Millie many times, but when you're in a relationship with someone who you feel like how Rosalie feels with Emmett, that you're with a partner who cherishes you so much is a literal, 
a goddess in their eyes. You're amazing, basically. And you feel the same way. It's just like, it is so reassuring to know that someone cares so deeply about you that you could never go back to being in a relationship with someone else. Someone where you question, like he says, awkward, weird first conversations, or, you know, you're biting your fingernails because you're, you're, you don't know what's going on. You're so nervous. Like when you're with someone where everything just feels right and you never have to question, does this person actually like me? Is the thing that this person doing, are they doing it because they have a different reason to, I just, I read it and I was like, you know what? I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they're both in a relationship with someone that they can feel fully secure and loved with for like 70 years how beautiful is that I was I'm very pro it I'm pro it as well um can't relate to anything you just said because that's never happened to me (laughs) tragically undervalued (laughs) it's fine it's fine I don't need years of therapy for it or anything it's fine so then he talks about Alice and Jasper um and he says that theirs was even like more unconventional um, because Alice had seen that she would love like seen the future and known that she would love Jasper for 28 years before she ever ran across him. And obviously with Jasper, with his gift of feeling all the emotions of people around him, he was so overwhelmed by how happy and in love with Alice was when she finally met him that she, he was like, all right, I'm down. <laughs> you know? Again, similarly, like finding someone that, you know, really truly loves you that is wowza zooey mama again wouldn't know but i'll take your word for it um so then of course he thinks about carlisle and esme and he says they're maybe a little more normal um so here he explains that esme had been in love with carlisle because she met him when she was younger um and like had had such a hard life um and had not had good experiences with men as I told you they don't bring it up here but um the domestic violence that she went through and so she never forgot him and then when Carlisle transforms her she's like really ready to just join him in life that she's not even really mad about it um Carlisle is taken aback because he never pictured anyone feeling that way about him but obviously they find their way into a romantic relationship And Edward has to witness it all. (laughs) At least he has good examples of love that he can base one of his own relationships off of. I think that's always helpful when, like, if you have parents who are in a healthy relationship, you at least know, like, how a person should be treated in a relationship. So he has a bunch of great examples on being happy and giving love in a relationship. So that's nice, at least. Yeah, that's true. Question for you, kind of off topic, but I think we should talk about Carlisle's choice to turn Esme. And this might be a little bit of a difficult difficult conversation um, given Esme's manner of dying as a human. Um, so if you're sensitive to, you know, um, suicidal conversations, maybe skip ahead. But if you're Esme, are you mad? That, I mean, because she jumped off a cliff trying to kill herself. Granted, she had circumstances going on where she had just lost a child. 
um, and, you know, was going through domestic abuse. So, you know, we don't, we'll never know how much of that contributed to her choice to commit suicide, but I'm sure it was, they were factors at least, but do you think it was wrong? I mean, I know we've talked about Carlisle's turning people in general and how we both kind of think it's wrong to take someone's life away essentially by doing that. But would you be upset? Do you think if you were Esme? I think that this question is really hard to answer given the outcome that happened for Esme. Like if, if she was turned into a vampire and she sort of had the same kind of reaction sort of as Rosalie where she didn't really get what she wanted because Emmett, she, Rosalie was a vampire before Emmett. Right. So she basically got turned into a vampire, had to become basically a family with a bunch of strangers and she was unhappy with it. So obviously Rosalie was really upset. However, all of the things that, Esme that led Esme to jumping off the cliff seemed to be resolved when she's turned into a vampire. She has a man now that she can focus her attention on who gives her love and who eventually gives her love and respect. She has Edward, who she then almost immediately adopts as her son and takes on that motherly role with him. So if I was Esme, it all kind of worked out for her. So I, I can't see her being upset about it, but she didn't know that all of that was going to happen. Like, I think objectively, if I were Esme, I would be upset because I did what I did for a reason, but you know, things did work out for her. So I think that she is probably very, very glad that Carlisle did that. I don't know if I would be, but everything sort of worked out for her. So I guess, I guess she's not mad, you know, like it's hard for me to answer this question, knowing that the outcome for Esme ended up being so good. Yeah, definitely. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I was kind of just curious on your thoughts on it. I mean, obviously for me personally, like I'll never know the position that she was in having never lost a child or experienced domestic abuse, but I have experienced suicidal ideations before, um, before I got, you know, the treatment and the help that I needed. And just, it had me thinking like objectively, Carlisle doesn't, I actually don't know if Carlisle knows about the domestic violence or losing the child. If he doesn't, like, it just seems very wrong to me to know the manner of someone's death was intentional and be like, actually just kidding. Like, I'm going to save her quote unquote save her um i think there probably was just a theory but i think there probably was like religious aspects to it knowing how religious carlisle is but because you know a lot of especially christian religions believe that suicide is a mortal sin which i have a lot of issues with for a lot of reasons um but yeah i i just think like if you look at the situation objectively without taking the results and how happy they ended up being into account. Like this is actually really fucked up that he did that. Yeah. And it reminds me almost not that I'm equating suicide to a medical treatment or anything, but you know, 
doctors aren't really allowed to do things like that unless you give your consent. Unless, of course, like, you, like, are dying and unconscious and like they're trying to save your life but like if he knew what her intentions were he's like making his own choice and going against her own intentions which it just seems like a really big like violation of someone's own like choice like their own free will basically yeah I have to agree um like you said it worked out for them but I don't know just given the religious undertones of this book that's always just kind of bothered me a little bit you know yeah which is not to say you know I'm sure our listeners have a wide range of opinions on you know religion and their own religion and how their religion sees suicide or how they see suicide but for me personally it has rankled a bit I love that word, rankled. That's great. We should use it more often. <laughs> um, so at this point, they are driving to Bella's house. Um, Edward realizes that, like, in this close proximity, um, that what he calls the monster, basically his thirst, is still around. Like, he hasn't mastered it. Because there was a while there where he thought he had mastered it because he was in love with her, but he hasn't. Um, they have this conversation about Renee and um, why she married Phil. And again, as we know, Bella explains, you know, it's her choice. Like, if she's happy, that's what matters. And then Edward does this not subtle thing of being like, do you think she would let you choose someone scary? And Bella's like, what do you mean scary? He's like, do you think I'm scary? <laughs> You know, when I read this in Twilight, I I mean, it was pretty obvious that that was why he was asking that question, um, even then. But reading it now, it's like, Edward, you're so obvious. Like, I mean, obviously, Bella doesn't know. But I'm picturing I'm Bella, okay? I've been dating Edward now for a couple months. I suddenly remember this conversation that we had in the car before I knew he was a vampire. So do you think your mom would let you date someone like, oh, I don't know, like someone scary? I, I would just be secondhand embarrassed for him. <laughs> Same. I'm secondhand embarrassed for him right now, and I'm not even involved. <laughs> God. So at this point, um, Bella, well, she says, you know, I think you could be scary if you wanted to. And he says, are you afraid of me? And she says, no. But um, Edward thinks she's not really lying, but she may be a little bit afraid. Um, and then Bella asks about the Collins, um, and, you know, asks, asks what happened to his real parents. And he doesn't even have to lie. He just says they died a long time ago. Carla and Esme are my real parents and, or not my real parents, but are, have my parents been my parents for a long time. And then she tries to ask, details about his siblings and he's like I gotta go pick them up <laughs> so then there's this whole thing where um Edward tells her that he's going hiking and remember when we read this in Twilight I was like ha ah, he's being so obvious ha ah. and you were like what <laughs> you remember that yeah <laughs> uh, well, now I know. yep I just we just said the exact same thing at the same time now oh. we know <laughs> now we know that He's going hunting with Emmett. Um, and then that's when Edward asks 
her to like be careful this weekend he's actually being serious like don't like get hurt or whatever but she obviously and justifiably is offended by it also (laughs) um there's this dramatic ass moment at the top of the last page of the chapter run bella run i love you too much for your good or mine (laughs) so bella slams the door because she's pissed and edward says I curled my hand around the key I just picked from her jacket pocket and inhaled her scent deeply as I drove away. First of all, how? I know how. Second of all, creepy. I I know I know he's inhaling her scent, like just lingering in the air, but I'm picturing he's holding the key in his hand and he's like rubbing it like over under his nose, like, oh my god, it smells just like her so good. I'm like, that is so gross. It is. And, like, metal smells gross to me. Like, sweaty metal. Metal that's been touched by a million hands. Yes. Like, coins, for example. Coin metal is so gross. It's so gross. Oh, my God. Um, Also, why couldn't he just be like, can I borrow your car key to or your truck key to bring your truck back? Like, she knows he has to bring it back. That is a really, really good question. this makes less sense to me like if I were Bella like where'd my key go and I found out that my future boyfriend pickpocketed it out of my pocket that would make less sense to me than him just being like can I borrow your car key we'll drop it off on your front door after we drop the car off like why you gotta be a psychopath about it for real so stupid (laughs) anyways that's the end of the chapter did you have any notes we didn't cover just one single, well, I guess it's one to two, because the second one is pretty short. Okay. But um, each 118, it's kind of the very beginning, sort of the introduction of Edward talking about him watching Bella, whatever. Mm-hmm. Towards the bottom, he goes, she stumbled twice on her way to my table, though there was nothing in her way but perfectly even linoleum. Seriously, how had I missed this? I'd been paying... I'd been paying more attention to her silent thoughts, I supposed. What else had I not seen? This just made me think that the fact that Edward cannot read her mind forces him to have a regular human relationship. Like, the thing that he's so... He's so much disdain for, so much apathy for humans... He's sort of forced to, like, drop to their level yep. to get to know the girl of his dreams, basically. And he's noticing so much awesome stuff. And I'm like, maybe humans aren't so bad, Edward. Maybe the things that you have to pay attention to that, like, you would never see if you were just reading her mind the whole time maybe those things are worth like having a little appreciation for. I just, Edward being forced to set up just regular human relationships with people. I'm very much enjoying because I know that he wouldn't do it if he didn't have to. I agree in his defense. Don't shoot me. I have always thought like if people could read my mind or if I could read other people's minds, I wouldn't like them. They wouldn't like me. Like, think about it. Like, we all have mean thoughts that we keep to ourselves. Like, it's a human thing to just be judgmental. Like, that's our first reaction is to automatically start judging people as soon as we meet them. So it's like, 
I, I'm not saying I would be as harsh as Edward, but if I could read minds, I probably would like be kind of grossed out by humanity too, you know? I suppose that's fair. I do think that's a good point. How like, he would probably like people better if he backed up a little bit and like gave the time to appreciate them as much as he does to Bella, which he's forced to do, as you said, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he might find, because I mean, he has nice things to say about Angela. It's not like he's finding people that are just all around terrible. You know, if he really opened his eyes and paid attention, he probably would see a lot of nice things about people. Yeah. Agreed. What was your second thing? Well, shortly following that, Bella comes, sits at his table. Um, He says, feel the burn, I thought dryly. It just made me think that Edward's a socialist. I, you know, he's a Bernie fan. I feel like Edward's a libertarian. Edward is... I'm trying to think of something like ancient that wouldn't make any sense, but I can't think of anything. Pagan? Wig. Oh. <laughs> He's a federalist, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see Edward supporting Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I just thought it was funny because I can't read Feel the Bird without thinking about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Agreed. Um, what's your favorite Bernie Sanders meme that you've seen? Oh, um, I've seen a lot of ones of him photoshopped into TV shows I like. Mm-hmm. It's like The Office, Parks and Rec, those are good. But I, the one I like the most, I posted on my Instagram. It's him on a skateboard, and it says Radical Left. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> also, I don't, I can't speak for Paige, but I'm pretty sure she feels the same way. This is a Team Bernie podcast, so... We are fully in support of him as a human being, as a politician. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, okay, I take it back. There was another one I saw this morning that was also really good. It was him, but not the, not the image of him, like, in real life. It was a hieroglyphic, and someone made a Bernie Sanders-looking hieroglyphic in that outfit and put it into, like, a thing of hieroglyphics. That one was really funny. That is hilarious. My favorite is kind of dark and fucked up, so don't judge me, but it made me laugh so hard. It was um, Bernie and someone photoshopped him really, 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 really small onto the grassy knoll from um, when JFK was fucking assassinated. Put me in my sarcophagus. Well, it was so funny. Like, and again, I'm pro Bernie. I know he wouldn't fucking assassinate JFK, so that's not what I'm saying. It just was like the the just the juxtaposition was too much. The internet does not stop at anything to shock and awe. It's true. It doesn't. He's also been photoshopped into some of my favorite shows too. I loved him on the poster for One Tree Hill because. You probably don't. You never watched that show, right? No. Well, it was like a teen drama. um, And like everyone was like really hot. And so they have all these posters where they're all like draped on each other, like all hot looking. And Bernie's just in there like, what's up? (laughs) Good stuff. I just I love that his expression is just like, it's cold and I'm sick of this shit. Yes. Did you see that tweet that was like um, a fake to-do list of Bernie's? And it was like, 10 a.m., drop off dry cleaning. 
11 a.m., Joe's thing. 12 p.m., pick up dry cleaning. <laughs> my sister posted on Snapchat the day of the inauguration. Oh, my God, I can't believe the president showed up to this Lady Gaga concert. And I thought that it was hilarious. I went to work at, like, 11.30 that day. And I walked in, and the guy who was working the line, like, there were no customers, so I was just chatting with him. And I said that to him. I was like, did you see that the president showed up to the Lady Gaga concert today? And he was like, like, the president who's leaving or the president that's coming in? And I was like, the president that's coming in? And he was like, oh, I didn't even know there was a Lady Gaga concert today. That's pretty cool of him. And I was like, oh, this son doesn't get the joke. Well, I was just, it was one of those things where it's like, it's too much work to try and explain what's going on. So I just was like, yeah, haha. <laughs> Anyways, if you could grab a manager so I can check in, that'd be great. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I bet he realized later what you were saying and was so like embarrassed. Sad. I, I know that he lives with his girlfriend, so I'm picturing him going home and saying something like, where was Lady Gaga's concert today? And then having her be like, you mean the inauguration? <laughs> Sad, poor guy. <laughs> Anyways, for next week, we're going to be back to two chapters because they're both really short. So we're going to be reading chapters seven and eight. Seven is called Melody and eight is called Ghost. Got any, got any predictions? These are both not in Twilight, correct? Correct. Melody's gotta be him coming up with Bella's lullaby. It's gotta be that. Ghost has the aura of him watching her while she sleeps. I'm still not over it. It, Perhaps, perhaps it'll be maybe some visions from Alice. I'm, I'm not sure. Just the ghost sounds so supernatural and hiding in the shadows and being unseen but also still watching it just strikes me as I'm gonna watch Bella while she sleeps kind of a thing but he is also going hunting with Emmett or quote-unquote hiking um so maybe it'll be his time with Emmett doing something in the woods hmm I guess we'll see what if they were just ding-dong ditching people (laughs) trick-or-treating oh <laughs> uh, I want it somebody write that fan fiction please I'm begging you I I'm fully picturing Emmett being like well if I'm a teenager forever I it's still socially acceptable for me to go trick-or-treating yes I feel like him and Rosalie have the best Halloween costumes couples costumes every year because they're both like super hot you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rosalie strikes me as the kind of person who would be really into that, like wanting the best costume for Halloween and putting a lot of time and effort to make sure that it's really, really good. Yes, definitely. I feel like Alice would as well, and Jasper would just to make Alice happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emmett is just having fun dressing up. Yep. And then Edward puts on more eyeliner and cries more because he's an emo boy. <laughs> I I just, I know he's going to be wearing a turtleneck soon, and I I just can't handle it. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Looking forward to it. That makes one of us. (laughs) Well, that's all we got for you tonight, folks. Uh, Hope you enjoyed our half-Twilight, half-not-Twilight episode. Um, Hope you enjoyed the asthma of listening to me drink chai tea. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we're on social media. We haven't heard a lot of a lot of shout outs from y'all lately. A lot of comments, a lot of feedback. We miss you. Let us know what's going on. We did have someone message us on Tumblr yesterday anonymously and ask if we would do the host, which is another book by Stephanie Meyer. I think it's a good idea, but we got we gotta we gotta finish these Twilight books first. Then we can talk. Is it in the same universe or is it a completely different? Completely different, has its own movie. It was pretty good, actually. Is it a um apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic? I feel like I... Do they have eyes, like something with their eyes? Yep. I, can, I couldn't tell you anything about it. I just remember the trailer. Yeah, Sorsha Ronan is like the star. I think that's how you pronounce her name, right? I've never heard those words before. She's in Little Women, the main girl. Um, Lady Bird. Girl, okay, I'll send you a picture of her. I, if I'm butchering her name, I'm sorry, but she's a really good actress, but she's, like, the main character in that. The movie's good. The book's good, too, honestly. Anyways, social media. We are on Tumblr and Instagram at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. We're on Twitter at Taft Pod. Um, you can email us Tuesdays Are For Twilight at gmail.com, patreon.com slash Tuesdays Are For Twilight. Please donate or share the Move to Higher Ground movement for the Quileute Tribe, mthg.org. I hate to ask, but Paige, do you got anything else? Hey, kids. Don't smoke. It's a joke. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you next week, y'all, for the next two chapters of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.